Support for Podcast by Night is provided by Midnight Syndicate. To learn more, please visit MidnightSyndicate.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Podcast by Night. I'm John. I'm Jen. And tonight, for this episode, we are going to finish up with the nuts and bolts of the Ventrue. That's right. It is the end of the Ventrue, but not really. Yay! It's just the, the episode. Oh. Oh, sorry. Yeah, don't. <laughs> so last time, if you were all lovely listeners recall, we were discussing about what it, how one became a Ventrue, what it was like to sort of be embraced into the society we talked about bloodlines, uh, their, their importance within Dignitas and the Familia. and the clan structure. Clan structure. And so now we figured since we got through all that wonderful, you know, like like political, politi- poli-sci level stuff, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts, the nitty gritty of being a Ventru. We're going to talk about the clan flaws, their the disciplines and how they view them because... Well, you'll you'll find out. So stick so stick around, and uh, we're gonna start with the the super pickiness of the clan, because as you may not, as you may have guessed, the Ventru are super picky and particular, and this really carries over into their clan flaw. Yes. So you know, we were talking about bloodlines and how the Ventru are obsessed with the bloodlines who are you descended from who is your who is your family and who are your people you know where did they come from and you know they feel like they're the natural rulers so we gotta bring in only a certain type of people only certain people can be part of the cool kids club of clan venture so it kind of makes sense that as a clan, their pickiness even extends outward into their feeding habits. So Clan Venture has perhaps one of the most infamous of clan flaws in that unlike the Nosferatu who visibly wear their clan flaw or the, the Malkavians who mentally wear their clan flaw, the Venture, the Venture's clan flaw is that they can only feed off of one particular kind of vitae, one particular blood. And, you know, they might argue, okay, yeah, it's because we we have such rarefied taste that, you know, I can only drink the finest of bloodlines. I can only have the best of human vitae to consume. I just like to think that they, they just became, like, too particular for their own good. That's right. They they definitely want to flower it up with the idea of we are but connoisseurs with our delicate palates for vitae. But come on, as as we, as you know, as we're going to find out, that that's bunk because it what depending on whatever their particular taste is, it might not be refined at all. Yeah, your your palate may not be all that refined when really all you like to drink is like Pap's Blue Ribbon. So, so right, that's right. It's the only beer I like to drink, y'all. So, doesn't mean you have a refined palate; just means you have a picky one. Exactly. So, so. with along those lines, within the Ventru bloodline, 
or the clan itself, these tend to, this rarity, rarefied palette tends to manifest in a couple ways. One can be quite general, and the other one can be ridiculously specific. Yeah. You could, if you prefer, in generalities, you could have a preference for young women. I can only drink the blood of young women below the age of 25. That's a very general one. It's it's fairly easy to find young women below the age of 25 to feed from. You know, you can find maybe young virgin women or young women in love or empowered young women. You can have variants thereof. But those are still very general. They can still be generic enough that feeding for you as a ventru is not particularly hard. You just have to be careful about it. But you could also be on the other end of the spectrum hyper specific. So maybe you as a kindred, you know, you you still have some preferences that are ties to your mortal life. Perhaps you um, are a newly embraced tech billionaire. So you may have a preference for women who are in the same exact business and have the same exact skill set you do. So if you're a tech billionaire, maybe you like young women who are in the tech industry. If you're ex-military, maybe you have a thing for guys in uniform. You know, it can be super hyper-specific too. With the the tech bit, it's not like they're just some gal that's a programmer. She has to be like the CEO. Or if it's the, you know, a guy in uniform, they probably have to be wearing said uniform. Yeah. You know, it can't be just be an off, off-duty off officer. It has to be, you know, hey, officer, nice uniform, <laughs> you know. It, a lot of it's mental. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of it's mental. It's, it's the idea that I can, I only like drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon, even though Pabst Blue Ribbon is, you know, not that different from Budweiser. But I only drink Pabst Blue Ribbon. It's a mental and as we've discussed before, even though we can say, oh, it's a mental game, you can just go to a therapist and get out of it. But remember, kindred have this thing called the beast. And this thing is just so killer. It can be so nitpicky. And then with a ventru, it just heightens it to that level where it's it's not just a matter of stubbornness. Somehow it actually affects the ventru so they cannot gain sustenance from any other source of vitae. I mean, you, as hungry as you are, you're not going to feed off of anything or anything else because none of it's going to give you sustenance unless you're in a full-on frenzy. But for Ventru, they're, because of their flaw, they, they just aren't going to get anything out of it. So in those situations, what a Ventru has to often do is kind of resort to some, you know, quick and dirty ways of getting nourishment. If I can't find my young you know, pretty, you know, under 25 year old tech billionaire who's going to be, who is my feeding preference, what in the world am I going to do? Well, a venture can feed off of other vampires. See, that's the tricky thing about your, your feeding preference. It's only, it's only in regards to humans, really. You aren't penalized as a venture if you're feeding off other vampires. Unfortunately, that comes with a kind of it has a whole set of problems all of its own when you're feeding off other vampires right yeah that's that's the beauty of this feeding off of other kindred to gain sustenance because there that's a particular loophole for quite a few feeding restrictions 
But like Jen said, it's a whole other kettle of fish. Because, you know, first off, there's the blood bond. And that, that can be really dangerous, especially for like a social game, a social creature like a Ventrue. You don't want to be beholden to someone else, especially not of, of your own clan. I mean, you know, emergency is an emergency, but, you know, what if you start relying on it? Yeah, I mean, if you if you aren't careful, you can easily be bound to somebody and they can hold you in their thrall. So they can have power over you. And for Ventrue, first of all, that's a knock on your dignitas right there because you aren't your own person then. Yep. You you are now controlled by somebody else. But now you're someone else's pawn and not at your behest. It's one thing when you are when you willingly go and become someone else's pawn because it's part of a long game. But if you are now someone else's pawn because you entered into a blood bond with them because you were desperate for, for Vitae, well, that's not going to look so good for you and you're going to be stuck. So what do you do? You know? So again, feeding off, uh, for a venture, feeding off another vampire, it may be a quick and dirty fix in a moment. But it's not a long-term solution to the situation if you can't get a hold of your of your preferred. The other problem that comes with drinking the vitae of vampires is that if you do it enough times, and if you do it for a long enough period, then you have the potential of becoming addicted to vampiric vitae no matter if you switch it up or not. So even if you're like, well, I'm going to mostly drink human blood, but every so often maybe I'll indulge and have some vampire vitae for a week or a month. Over time, as this builds up, this means that you start becoming more and more reliant and addicted to vampiric vitae. Now, why is this a problem? Well, so let's say you're a venture who's smart and wily enough to say, I'm not going to drink the blood of one vampire. I'm going to drink the blood of all sorts of vampires. That way I can't get blood bound, right? Smart thinking there. But over time, as you're drinking all this different vi- vampiric blood, your body's processing it. And it's like, mm, nummy, nummy. Vampiric blood is sure richer and more nourishing than human blood. Nummy, nummy. And eventually it's like, but we don't like human blood because human blood is weak compared to vampiric blood. So you become addicted to vampiric vitae and you will no longer be nourished by human vitae. And that can be a problem all of its own because now you have to keep replenishing your, your fellow vampires now become your herd. And that means that puts you in a precarious situation because you know, either they don't like it and want to bust your you for it, or they're like, oh, you want some of my vitae? Well, that's going to come at a cost. What are you going to give me? So yet another ding to the dignitas. Yep. And so, again, it, none of the drinking of the vampiric vitae solutions are great long-term. They could be used in the short term, but they're really bad options if you're looking for a long-term solution to your Vitae preference. And just as a point of of naming things, this particular 
addiction to vampiric vitae is typically called the Methuselah's curse simply because you are drinking the blood of the other hunters. You are the vampire that feeds on other vampires. Well, also it's called Methuselah's curse because a Methuselah is in vampiric terminology and they're in their lexicon. A Methuselah is a vampire who is uh, at least a thousand years old. And when you reach, if you're a vampire who manages to live a thousand years or more, chances are pretty high that you are so old vampire that human vitae usually has a hard time sustaining you and keeping you awake. So it's called Methuselah's curse because it's a curse that is common amongst vampires who are at least a thousand years old or older. And for Ventru, they're particularly prone to it. You don't have to be a Methuselah to get this curse. You just have to not be careful about how often you feed off vampires. So the lesson here, kids, is watch what you're drinking from. And if, you, if you're lucky enough to live in a city, make sure that you develop a herd or, or some other means of getting your particular source of vitae because it's going to be very important and protect it because that's another way your enemies can get. Yeah, if your enemies ever figure out what your blood preference is, that's a weakness and they will try and tap into that you know hey let me go adulterate the herd that you know venture bob over there drinks from because i found out venture bob likes young pretty female tech gurus so that's not something a venture will ever willingly just put out there like usually many venture are very protective about their feeding preference because of this very reason because they often cultivate herds and if anyone were to find out their herd then that's that's something they can attack and speaking of herd this kind of leads into the next point of the the powers of the ventru the ventru being the masters of the art of the masquerade that they are helps you protect that herd and in dealing with that herd, i.e. human society, their skill set, if you will, is particularly, you know, geared towards controlling human society from a distance, ruling from the shadows, all of those kind of things that Ventru have learned how to do, you know, first for survival and then for control over the centuries. Yeah, the Ventru have a particularly unique combination of skills it's not that these skills are unique in and of themselves the ventru are masters at dominate presence and fortitude none of those skills are uncommon other vampire clans have those skills but none of them have them in the combination the ventru do and dominate which is the ability to force your will on another Presence, which, you know, you can control basically your charisma, you're controlling the emotions of someone else and fortitude, which makes you personally strong against any attacks upon your person. All of that put together makes anyone venture ridiculously formidable. Absolutely. And as you can see, like dominate presence and fortitude, that particular combination just goes with the... I don't want to say mindset, but the theme, if you will, of the clan itself. It's like they're they're very domineering. 
but they're also polite and charming and damn hard to kill. And that's that's how they like it. It really Ventura almost built to be influence manipulators. That is exactly what their entire skill set is built to do. They have gifts to cultivate and steward both humans and kindred and kind of push them into systems and paths that they want them to go, either through dominate or through presence. And if anyone should prove to be resistant to the idea of, you know, that, you know, of, hey, I want you to do this thing, then hello, the Venture have enough fortitude that they can withstand pretty much any physical attack that you put against them. Yeah, I mean, they're you're you be you know you're a freaking wall of might, you know, and a, a literal juggernaut. So it's like, okay, my pretty words are not, you know, and willpower are not enough. Well, I'm just gonna pull out this gun here, keep shooting you, and you can you can do fuck all to me. So yeah, we can it, do this it, the hard way, easy way, or the hard way. I could do this all day. <laughs> it's like uh, that's right, you know. They could ju- they're just walking around like they have a preternatural shield around them all the time because they do. They're very hard to kill Venture. They're especially the older they are and the more powerful they are, because first of all, they have their influence networks. And if you manage to get through all their influence networks to get to the to the Venture themselves, then they have all these disciplines that can actually put a stop to you in your tracks. So, and it's part of why they are one of the more powerful clans out there. And as you probably put together, having this unique combination of common disciplines is not unique among the Ventru. It's also among their rivals, if you will, the Bruja. And it seems like they're almost suited to combat one another because they both have presence. And, you know, then the other one can like, I can throw a car at you, but the Ventru are like, yeah, but I can take it. So it's 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 like even their disciplines are at odds. I, I just love that sort of um, tit for tat that those two have. Yeah, I mean the Bruja are really the polar opposites of the Venture, both you know, both in their clan structure and in their clan ideology, but also in their disciplines. They share presence. That that's the one discipline they have in common, but. Bruja have potence because it gives them physical strength, you know, because the perfection of the body and of strength and, you know, the, the physical might to back up your words, that potence against fortitude. I mean, they, in a lot of ways, they almost cancel each other out and then dominate it, if a venture can get in a word ed- edgewise to a bruja and their presence, then they can just force their will onto a bruja. But, you know, bruja, they can just run away from that. <laughs> you know, they have celerity. They don't have to put up with it. They don't have to stay there and listen to it. And their celerity may mean that they're fast enough to get past your fortitude. Who knows? I mean, it really is. They, the two clans are in a lot of ways built to to be in opposition to each other and when you think about it they are like i just i in their ideals like what they represent and who they are they are polar opposites so it makes sense their disciplines would reflect that because uh, let's be honest chances are high they they've cultivated these disciplines over the years because they've always been in opposition with each other and given that the ventru 
it, we've said before, they, they, are, they both use their disciplines effectively to build influence networks. But again, that dominate really comes in when you're dealing with mortals in particular. The Ventru are so skilled at it that some Ventru can even just, like, no mortal can resist them. So for some of them, yeah. For some yeah. of them. So it's just like they're they're keenly aware of their place in society and kindred society. So again, that kind of gives them the idea that, you know, within the boardroom, within the halls of power, Ventru are the leaders. Ventru can walk in and just be the most charming man or woman who walks in the door. And they can just have their way with a boardroom or the halls of power or what have you. And like you said, they can use their disciplines to the, to use that dominate to help build up their proxy networks. They can use that presence to help charm people into doing what they want. You know, fortitude comes in handy if, you know, somebody set, decides that they don't want to fall in line with what you what you're wanting to do with the new direction is. And if they try to do something about it, well, hey, I guess that gunshot's not going to be as effective as you thought it was going to be. So all of this put together, plus their their ability to manage their influences, plus the networks that the Ventru have built up over long centuries as a clan. I mean, this makes the Ventru just a formidable force. Given all of this, it's easy to see and understand why there are so many princes that are Ventru. They're, yeah. they're, they're built for roles of leadership. The, it's it's really hard to argue, especially in the the courts of the Camarilla. It's hard to argue their abilities to rule. Yeah, an argument can be made that the Camarilla was built the way it was built because that's the way Ventru wanted it because it works well for Ventru. I mean, everything from the idea of rules and laws and etiquette to status. To even you can see a direct correlation when we were talking about how Ventru the claim Ventru clan structure is built and how the Camarilla sect structure is built. There is almost a one for one correlation. Yeah, absolutely. So one can argue that the Camarilla was built off of the framework of claim Ventru and it was built to favor them in terms of leadership. I mean, even down to the masquerade, because, I mean, honestly, they are the ones who kind of came up with this concept of the masquerade and using proxies to to work in the mortal world on their behalf. I mean, they're the ones who pushed that line. It's because they're good at it. And, you know, the argument is, you know, oh, it's for all of our protection to keep us all safe. But it's easy to say that. When you're the guys who know how to do it, it's easy to play that game when you're the ones who built the game. Right, so, right. Absolutely. You know, the this is why, why the Ventru are in power. It's because they they already know how the game is played. That's right. So everybody keep in mind that when you're playing that Ventru, you were born and built to play the game of the Masquerade and the Courts of the Camarilla. And you know what? You're just better than everybody else. So psh, there you go. Yeah, screw them. Screw them. I'm Ventru. They don't call us blue bloods for nothing. All right, Jen. Next segment, again, my favorite part. (laughs) So I'm cooler and nobler than everybody else. Those pecs. How do I get to be a Ventru? That's right. 
What are our tips and tricks for actually playing these guys? Well, first off, you just got to remember that you are better and cooler than everybody else in that room and just kind of go from there. Okay, good night. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to know. That's right. No, no. It's you, it Also keep in mind that that's just the attitude that you have to portray. The Ventru, they don't embrace willy-nilly. They don't, you know, Joe Schmacatelli over there, just because he owns a business doesn't mean he's going to get the embrace. There's there's a lot more to it. So definitely keep in mind the particulars that we've discussed about what the Ventru look for in your character. So either if it's pre-built, you know, try to find those details. And of course, if your storyteller is up for it, have that conversation, and they might be like, oh, that's a great idea. Go ahead and put that in your history. Or if you're building it yourself, you know, by all means, please put those details to use. Do the research because it's going to really add to that role play. Because the Ventru have cultivated this idea of rarity and specificity amongst them, they do tend to look for some kind of specific ideas of chill of what a childer is and we kind of just kind of grouped together some like ideas some things that a venture would look for in a chilled but you're you don't have to play a character who has every one of these they could have some of them you could choose how they display any one of these but these are just general aspects that a venture would look for and so like one of the most primary ones they're going to look for is nobility and this is a huge thing for them. But then again, that begs the question, what is nobility? Are you Is nobility born and bred in you? Or is it something that is taught? Do you want someone who's literally a noble, who has a noble title? Or is it someone who embodies this abstract concept of nobility, of what it means to be noble? So uh, honestly... Venture kind of fall on different sides of it, depending on the venture you're talking to. There are some venture who are like, unless you come from an aristocratic line, uh, nah. But some other venture would argue nobility is not born in the bloodline. Sometimes nobility can be taught or can be inhabited by someone who, you know, whose parents were peasants in, back in the day. So it, you can, it's kind of up to you as the player, as you're working out the character, what does it mean to be noble? What, what was it your sire saw in you that they said, ah, that's the mark of nobility. With that, those two differences, you know, born and bred or taught, that also might factor into where your character was embraced. Because yeah. in, in Europe, you might have more of a that old school, old world sense of, you know, you, well, maybe old Uncle Louis back in Germany was actually a duke. Well, that, that can count. But so keep that in mind, too, where, where you want to have your character come from. Because that's definitely going to play into the mindset of why you were embraced and what nobility me meant to your sire and thus means to you. Yeah. For example, Americans, we don't have aristocrats, but we do have like our quote unquote nobility. You think like the Kennedys or the Vanderbilts or, you know, any family who's been in a major political power, say like the Bushes, those are kind of our form of, of aristocracy. People who are descendants from 
original founding fathers, you know, like my ancestor was, uh, you know, Jefferson or Adams or, you know, not Washington, because Washington actually never had any kids that were from his particular bloodline. You know, also, too, you can think of like um, in Boston, they have the Boston Brahmins, uh, New York and Philadelphia have their own versions of that. You know, it's the you know aristocratic families that go all the way back to the, the founding of the city. Apparently, I am descended from a founder of the city of Philadelphia, and I don't know how I feel about that because I'm like, it's Philadelphia. But, you know, I, I you know, you can argue that someone who is from one of those you know founding lines of a city in america or even a founder of the country or from a powerful political family they might be of noble means and that could take the place of being you know descended from a duke or a duchess back in europe so you know that's an option as well but again it, it all depends on nobility if your sire is like well i don't care who you're descended from I care that you inhabit a noble mean, then who your bloodline is may not be as important to them. But right. no, no, whatever the case, however they define nobility is going to be how you embody nobility. Right. And that definitely plays into the second point of bloodlines. The idea of it could be when you were breathing or after your embrace. Because like we said before, certain bloodlines like uh, Mithras, if you are descended from the bloodline of Mithras, there are certain traits that you might think about for your character along those lines. Like what what was it, Jen? They they were like not sweet talkers. Oh, courage. They they were known for their courage under fire. So, you know, you might want to build that character to be cool, keep their cool when the, you know, shit hits the fan. Yeah. So that's another thing to think about is the lineage of and of your your character. And that's very important, especially I want to put, you know, just put this out there, role playing point, that if you are playing a Ventru, you probably need to do that research because, you know, even if you have to make up half of it, people are going to ask it. Yeah. As a Ventru, you as you're creating your character, you want to pick a bloodline that you want to be descended from. You want to pick, a you know, a group of well-known, well-connected Ventrus so that when, you know, you walk into a city and the other Ventrus are like, oh, so who's your sire and what's your lineage? You can go, oh, I am a descendant of Queen Anne of London, who is the child of you know Mithras and on and on and on. And there are a few key, uh, there are a few key cities and a few key bloodlines. Just, you know, quick and dirty notes, like London is one of the major venture strongholds. Berlin's another one. So either one of those cities, city books is really great to go find venture who might be suitable to be descended from. Also to Chicago, Chicago by night, which is an old classic. It's an old classic. And there's a whole bunch of bloodline stuff in there too. So you can find it if you do a little bit of research online, you can find some some notable venture bloodlines. Or heck, you can just make it all up. I will say that there's probably only like four or five major bloodlines that come from a fourth generation Methuselah. So, you know, but of course those bloodlines branch out. So I mean you can make up an entire bloodline like traces itself all the way back to Mithras and it's not in a book anywhere. And that's perfectly fine too. Just as long as you are, you know, 
able to to recite what your history is when you are asked about it by the prince. And you know, depending on how creative you are, that is that could be a lot of fun coming up with that idea. So again, that's a thing you talk to the storyteller about because some people might some storytellers might be a little particular about how canonical they want to get. And others, I mean, come on, it's like freaking what, two thousand plus years. There's a lot a lot can happen in that time. Like your your fourth generation progenitor could be dead by by now, but you still come from that blood. So yeah, I mean just have fun with it. That that's a great idea. Just make it up. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's kind of fun. You can come up with a whole backstory of like, well, my my great, 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 great sire, who was the prince of this like tiny, you know, town in Luxembourg, who had all this money, you know, did all these great <laughs> things, you know, make up an entire family lineage. Heck, half of us do that anyway. That's true. Mm. History is written by the, the people that tell it. Uh, but that leads into the the third point, which is wealth and influence. Yes. So for the Ventru, you know, if you want to have influence in this world, if you want to be leaders, you would need to have money and influence to do it. So being rich and well-connected as a character helps you out a lot because they're going to be looking for people who have those those aspects to bring into the clan. Because let's be honest, you know, even the richest and most well-connected venture over time, that wealth and those influences start to go a little stale. So, hey, fresh blood. We need to get people in here who have new ideas and new concepts, who understand the current business world, who have new wealth and new ways of making money. All of that's going to be attractive to a venture. So, for example, in the 19th century, when those old noble manors that, you know, all the aristocrats used to live on stopped making as much money, guess what? They started embracing industrialists, the robber barons, the railroad barons, because they had money. And then uh, you get into the 20th century. Well, hey, now there's these people who are making money um, in this new, like, war uh, weapons industry. Well, we can start embracing them. Now we're starting to get into the tech industry. So there's always a new wave of something new that comes into the clan. If you have something that's useful to them in any particular time period, they're willing to usually work with that. Anything that helps further their their ends of Ventru is typically game for. Right. And so the final point in this section is poise and etiquette. As we said before, that this is something that is ridiculously important, especially in a court setting or a salon, that your poise and etiquette, your, your knowledge of social rules should rival, if not outweigh, a Toreador's. Yes, because it lo- is bad form for a venture to ever lose their cool or look like an idiot in public. It takes away from your dignitas. I was just thinking about this the other night. Probably many of you haven't watched the show Agent Carter. If you haven't, shame on you. Go watch it. But the char- character of Howard Stark in there, like, he could not get into this elite, effete social club for all these rich men because he was coming in with, you know, basically a bunch of of prostitutes but you know he wasn't being let in the club because he wasn't he did not have the social grace the poise and the etiquette to be a part of the stuffy 
paneled, you know, gentlemen's club and, you know, full of rich guys. Venture take that very seriously. They're like, you know, the Toreador can be the ones running around with the starlets and the the prostitutes. Adventure is above such things. This also plays into the idea that politeness is not just being nice. Being a Ventru, you need to have the poise and wherewithal to be able to negotiate a drawing room or a boardroom with equal po- grace. Yeah. You, ha- you have to be able to discuss business at, at one turn and then turn around and have a what could be a heated debate at the other without losing your cool, you know, make sure um, make sure you know your rhetoric, you know, know how to discuss a point, you know, to to the T or and however you want to play it. Because honestly, I mean, I was just thinking it'd be kind of fun to play that, that, um, what was it? If, if anybody's seen Game of Thrones, there's that, there's that <laughs> I poor didn't bring guy. It you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. That, that poor Tully that is was uh catelyn stark's brother right he's his bro- her brother yeah it's her brother yeah i mean this guy he he has the right words he's got the right breeding but he is dumb as a box of rocks yeah and easily cowed but yet upon first meeting him you're like oh this guy's got it together and then he spilled you know he go- takes a drink of something and spills it down his shirt i mean it's fantastic so yeah. you can always have fun with it too. Don't take it too seriously. This is a game. You know, I just thought of that that would be hilarious to see it at a court. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it it's it your your dignitas, your power, the ability to maneuver in a political situation is definitely inhibited if people think you're an idiot. So it that is part of being having this this ability to navigate these social situations with grace because a gentleman or a gentlewoman, they never lose their cool and to lose your cool or to lose your temper. It shows that you are ill-bred first of all, but that you're not capable of handling the matters that are set before you in a calm and capable manner. You, you always want to show that you have poison etiquette. So as you're making a character, if you build a character who's, you know, who's built to be that way, then, you know, that, that's an ideal for adventure. Absolutely. All right. So everybody, that is pretty much the, the nitty gritty of what to keep in mind when you're building your character as a Ventru. Now we're going to throw at you some fantastic, fun little concepts just to keep get the gears turning. Yeah. Well, I mean, first, let's it reiterate All for right. everybody out there as you're as you're considering venture as a con. I mean, this was a lot. This was a lot to throw at all of you. This is three episodes of stuff and heck, we're not even to premiere yet. What do you mean a lot? They can just go back and re listen to it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here are charming voices. But, you know, the, I will say this, the venture are perhaps one of the more popular clans for players to play. And part of that is because it has all the structure and support. You know, it's just built in. And so if you're a new player and you've, you're like, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm still learning all the ropes and I'm a little nervous about this. Clan Venture actually is a great clan for you. 
Because they have so much in, built in supports. The idea that as a new embracee, you have to go through this whole period of training before you're ever even released into the court actually works in your favor because then you're bound to your whoever your sire is. Hopefully they're a more experienced player and they can kind of lead you around and hold your hand and say, Oh no, this is how this works. And you know, it, it, it's built in for new player support. That's just my plug for anybody who's not played Vampire the Masquerade and who's going, oh my gosh, I don't think I could play a venture that sounds so scary. No, I think this is a great clan for a new player because it has so much going on in there. It just is built in that there's going to be people who are going to be taking care of you and keeping an eye out for you. And it also, the clan venture, just they're built to with the idea of mutually working together and with each other to towards a common goal. Venture very rarely ever work against each other unless you have political factions who are uh, acting against each other, which does happen. But as a whole, they tend, if you happen to be in this particular venture group, they will support each other and they will help you out. So it, it, because the idea of the familia, you are part of my familia, you are my my clients, I am your pa- patron, it adds to my dignitas that when you succeed, because that's so inbuilt, inbuilt into the venture, it's a great it's a great supporting clan for players who are just walking into this because it's in their best interest as players to make sure you're doing well and that you're having fun and you're engaged in the story. That's a great point, Jen. The the Ventru are actually one of the few clans, especially with the the inbuilt structure that I can think of that uh, maybe a side of the Asimites that that they want you to work together. You, yeah. you you're not supposed to be out for yourself. You can have your own game running as long as it doesn't intersect with someone else's. But yeah, it, it's it's as kind of as kumbaya as it gets. Yeah. I mean, as it gets in vampire cuz it's never quite it's, kumbaya. Uh, I, yes, that's true. I mean, it it's more godfather. <laughs> fair enough. Good point. Okay, so with that, we're going to throw some fun concepts at you sort of to, um, you know, get the gears turning about, hey, I could do this or I could play that. That's a great idea. I'm going to make a character based on that. So what do we have first, Jen? Uh, the captain of finance or the captain of industry. This is pretty much a standard venture concept. You're the master of whatever field of influence that you're involved in. It could be banking and finance, or it can be industry or production or transportation or agriculture, resources, technology and communications, what have you. You have an industry, you are the master at it. And you know, it, there are so many permutations of this, so many, and pretty much any one of them will work for a character in their background because eventually will take just about any influence they can get. So you're massively skilled at any one of these things. And so all of your key influences and retainers who manage your business interests are all going to be skilled in these areas and they will jump to do your bidding. So, you know, think of like a Steve Jobs type character or... I'm trying to think of major industrial people. Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Or even like, you know, you think in terms of like, 
people who are the heads of major communications companies. Bob Iger would be a venture. Bob Iger. Yeah. Bob Iger would be eventually the president of Disney because Disney owns my entire childhood. I just yep. give them my money at this point. Absolutely. I just, every time I go to the park, I walk up to Mickey and just throw my wallet at him. I'm like, Mickey, here's my credit card. Just go. take it. Just, just take, take it. Because there's going to be another Avengers movie or there's going to be another animated movie. And, you know, you're just going to just take it. You own, you own the Muppets. I mean, come on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can you believe that? Anyway, we digress. This next one actually is something I find particularly interesting because I have not seen one of these yet. It is the Lord or Lady of the Manor. Kind of the idea that your your dignitas, your nobility comes from a time not so long ago when society and class were the thing. Like this goes kind of back to the poison etiquette bit, but I'm just just reading this, I'm reminded of the old like turn of the century almost like right at the end of the Victorian era, salon parties among the rich and powerful, because this is where politicians would come to blow off steam. This is where captains of industry would come to hang out. You you know, like say, like, I don't know if anybody's ever seen it, but like the Vanderbilt Manor. Oh, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous, but it's like an American castle. Mm -hmm. So the Vanderbilt's, you know, if they weren't captains of industry, they would definitely be the lord and lady of that manor because everybody would come there for their soirees. And let me tell you, if you don't think wheeling and dealing was getting done there, I mean, that is that was a pool of influence, just just swimming. Yeah. So, go ahead. Um, I mean, again, when you say lord and lady of the manor, this conjures up a very Downton Abbey kind of perspective of the world. And it is. In European terms... It would be, you would think the aristocracy, the lords and ladies or dukes and duchesses, counts and earls, you know, it'd be those people who are the landed gentry who have some manor house somewhere in the country where, you know, the king or queen occasionally comes to do some, a bit, a spot of hunting. You know, it's, it, that is the concept of you are by rights, because of your birth and because of your class and because of your wealth and your titles, you are above everybody else. And that's just the way the world works. There's you and there's everybody else below you. Yeah, you're you're a master of social status, ranking. You mm-hmm. you definitely know where the classes divide. And and you're not mean about it, but you're not uh well, you could be mean about you could, it. You could be, you could be, but you're you're definitely there to point them out. Yeah. If somebody oversteps, you're like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, take a step back. Yeah. I mean, the the American version, like you said, would be the the Vanderbilts or even those the Boston Brahmins I brought up earlier. If you don't know what that is, go look it up. That concept of our family has been here since the the Puritans set foot on Plymouth Rock, right? You and we have some sort of social cachet because we're fa- our family is old and respectable, and they founded this country. You know, for whatever reason, that means you're cool. But it, it, that's the American version of that class society of the Lord and Lady of the Manor. And speaking of the American version. The the hungry and ambitious concept definitely fits that. The young upstart, yeah. young and hungry. Yeah. You're seeking to make a name for yourself among the elites, and you're willing to play the game and follow all the rules if it means that you get to gain some sort of political or personal cachet to do it. So 
It this is great for the neonate venture. You are looking to find someone to hitch your your star to, and hopefully they'll take they'll they'll be the ones to carry you there. You're looking for one of the more powerful venture in the city to to whom you can start working with and working for, in the hopes that by working for this powerful venture that adds to your dignitas and your ability to move forward in the clan. So next we have the Potter Familius, right? Am I saying that correctly? You did. Good job, John. Yay! You are the you're the father of the family. I mean, that, that kind of is putting too fine a point on it. You you are definitely the head head of the family, and in, in all the senses of the old meat word uh, meaning old and new. I mean, yeah, we said it before. We referenced the Godfather. You are the one that, like, you know, you found the house. You make sure that your kids are in positions of power. Yeah, you're just you're you're the father of the family. Yeah, you you are the patron, the the patron. Patr- patron. That's what I was trying to think of. Yes. Yeah, I mean, everyone is your client, whether they're your child or they are your servant, and you build those relationships in the city, and you may even have several other venture who serve you maybe they're your children maybe they're other the hungry ambitious kind we just talked about and it's this idea of the familia you're all out to better the the chances of the family itself the family being the clan at large clan just in the city your particular ambitions Whatever it is, you know, as long as we've as we've said, as long as it still falls within the structure of plan politics, and you're not hurting anything, more power to you. Because yeah. the more dignitas you you gain, the better. It's the yeah. better it is for everybody. Yeah. Uh, next is blood as blue as the Danube. Oh my God! <laughs> this is definitely the 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 epitome of your European aristocracy. Whether you're a descendant of it or you were it, man, you know you thought that the uh, what was it, the Lord and Lady of the Manor was bad. This is these people are even older than that. Yeah, you you think nobility is baked into that DNA like like a fine golden crest? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know the, that's the running theory because you were a descendant of a count or a duchess or some royal line somewhere. You've lived life as a noble and you, because you are of the nobility of the aristocracy, you believe that the mantle of leadership is yours by right and by birth. And because of the honor of being born into the family you were born into, because your great, 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 great grandfather was the king of England, that means you have an inherent nobility that no one else does. Right. And as a player, you can definitely play this one of two ways. My preference would be the the having the noblest oblige inherent in every decision your character makes because it is by divine right that you are here. So therefore, you're obligated to do something with it. And of course, the other one is like the Caligula Nero route where, well, I'm the boss, so everybody has to love me, right? Well, you know, unfortunately, Caligula and Nero were also batshit fucking crazy. Well, okay, <laughs> but they were the only th- examples I could think. <laughs> but yeah, it's that idea because 
I was born an aristocrat. That means you have to listen to me because I was born that way. Right. You, you were just embraced into this clan because you just happened to have deep pockets and, and a useful company. But me, I was born and bred to be a true leader of humankind and a kindred. Right. Yeah. Think, think Blah. privileged plus. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and next, I know we already mentioned it, the Tony Stark stereotype, the billionaire playboy philanthropist. You have money, lots of money. Maybe you earned it through your own hard work and initiative, and you you made the keen investments, or you were the one who created the product that made millions. Or maybe you earned this money through your own hard work and keen investments or your own inventions, which happened to make millions. And it was through your bootstraps that you pulled yourself up and you you became this billionaire playboy philanthropist. Or maybe you were born into it. And that wealth is the wealth your family possessed. But it's the kind of wealth that makes the gears turn. It makes it oils and greases the the complex machine of politics and and industry so you have it and you're not afraid to use it you can buy whatever you want you whatever you wish whatever you desire you can pay for it you're just like oh hey senator how much will it cost you to give me what i want you know how much i have my my wallet do you take a credit card or can i paypal you the money you know that's that's what the billionaire playboy philanthropist can do Right. And depending on, on how you play it, it's definitely one of those character concepts that you you might not rise in the ranks of, of the politic game, but you are definitely valuable. So, yes. you know, they might throw some middle management title at you just to keep you happy. But, you, you know, don't fool yourself. You know why you're there. Yeah. You're there because you are the walking wallet. Yes. But they can't succeed without you. That's right. Oh, and speaking of Senator, the next is the Venerable Senior Statesman. Yeah, you've been in the room and you know how the game is played. Uh, You know, you've played politics so long, it is second nature to you. And you kind of walk the halls of power like you own them. This is where you belong. I am a political animal and this is my this is my domain. The um the thing that po- the example that pops up into my mind is I know I've said it before but that show Scandal there was the um oh what was he is there, if anybody's seen it it's Cyrus it's the it's the character that is sort of like he is the kingmaker he is the one that whispers in the president's ear all the things that because he knows the game inside and out so as a kindred that would kind of be where you would live because, you know, you can't be in politics yourself. You're you're supposed to be dead. But that doesn't mean that you can't control the, you know, you can't steer the ship. Uh, I like to think in this example, and it's kind of who I was thinking of, is for any of you who are West Wing fans out there, I was thinking of Leo, Leo McGarry. That's the kind of power he wields. He, he's been in the game so long that he knows how to play it. He knows who the players are. He knows all, he knows where all the bodies are buried. He's a person who's a political animal and he knows how to, to play the game. And that's what a, a, the senior statesman concept does. 
again, this is a great concept for those ancilla who are who've been in the middle management level for a while and who are bucking to get up to have even more power or those very those elders who are usually the princes the princes of the city they are the elder statesman is a great concept for anyone who's bucking for prince of the city i i would love the idea of in a game to see the the very powerful combination of senior statesman concept with billionaire concept yeah because that would be unstoppable yeah yeah Imagine Leo McGarry and Tony Stark in a room. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I think I just have a new fanfic idea. Oh, there you go. Do it. Write it. <laughs> All right. And last but not least is one of the, well, it, I, would, I was going to say true American concepts, but it's, it's anybody. It's anybody that is, that is young and a young, hungry upstart. It is the young buck. You know, this, this factors into pretty much everything 21st century. This is a little different than, say, the hungry and ambitious, because the young bucks are so new. You, you're you on the cutting edge of, of this world, and you understand the new ways of doing things. You are, you know, you that th- these are the tech company startup CEOs. You know, the government lobbyists who are up to their eyeballs in all the modern issues who, you know, have been cutting their teeth on things like gun control and climate change. These are the people who understand this world as it is today, which for the Ventru who are very hidebound, that's that's critical because the older Ventru often aren't as aware of it. They need these young bucks around because the young bucks are their key to the modern world. And that gives them value. Not that the clan will ever tell you in a zillion years that you're valuable, that you're valuable because you still have to like go earn your spurs, boy. But you are, you have an incalculable value to them because they don't necessarily understand the way the modern world works, but you do. Right. So this is definitely one of those things that it, if you are a millennial, I'll just say it, that is trying to get into the game and you want to you want to have a a venture that you is easily identifiable and something that you can just play the shit out of. I think a young buck would definitely suit you because not only, you know, is it a lingo thing, but it's also a mindset thing. I mean, I could just imagine somebody that was embraced as that, you know, like super woke hipster, uh, you know, like the guy that made Sierra Nevada, the brewery that's completely off the grid. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that, that is like a, the pinnacle of like, yeah, I, I know what's going on. I'm socially conscious. I, the planet. Yeah. Let's save it. I mean, definitely. You know how to make profit off of what's have been cool and trendy at the moment. Absolutely. And you know what? We need more people like you. Just saying. Okay. So those are some lovely, fun concepts that Jen put down on paper, and I think they're fantastic. There's a zillion other concepts. Oh, of course. So. Of course. These are just some, you know, examples, some templates. Do with them what you will. Come up with your own. Play and twist them around. You can mix and mash them up. I want to see the Tony Stark, Leo McGarry character. Yeah, I that would be see awesome. This- happen now (laughs) make it happen boom 
All right, so now we've reached the part of the podcast for our pop culture references. These are either like uh, film, television, or literary, heck, sometimes even musical examples to sort of give you that flavor of the clan. Yeah, I mean, these are great things to just, if you are like, how do I venture? I mean, these aren't about vampires, but they're they're great things to watch so you kind of get the idea of like all the stuff we're talking about. So right. things to give you, just to kind of juice you up and give you ideas as you're playing your character and building your character. And you just might learn something. And you just might learn something. As a future college educator, I approve of this. <laughs> all right. Well, first, we've said it once. We've said it twice. Anything dealing with Rome. Because, anything, anything. All of it. Because the Ventru, the, their ideals are based in that social structure. So, I mean, we've got things like, like the movie Gladiator is kind of like an action politic. I, the show Rome itself is pretty good that's the hbo show rome yes i've seen it i claudius that's another good one spartacus is a good one anything that's off the history channel that's usually good the bbc usually has some amazing ones or you can just get a hold of me i will talk your ear off about it (laughs) apparently for a very long time you could just say reach out to me on twitter and be like so jen rome what's up with that and i'll be like oh my gosh okay if that happens then we're gonna have to tape it and put it up on the patreon for (laughs) bonus content you know jen talks about rome you know you get it it's like one of those great talks seminars the ted TED talks ted talks you you get it free the first time if you watch it live after that you got to pay for it (laughs) yeah anything having to do with rome is a great way to kind of get you get you into the mindset of how they've been true as a clan culturally they think so and then of course coming up in time from that one is anything that is medieval or renaissance based not just for costuming because that's just beautiful but it's also those tend to be highly social status movies or concepts or ideas because you know you have the balls and you've got the the gentry it, it a lot of that stuff plays out in in stories like the time period i like to think of really for venture i mean really any anyone would do but the time periods i like to hit on obviously renaissance florence with the medici because there's a lot of there's a lot of ventureness going on in there. Um, there is a Netflix series about the Medici, and it has Richard Madden in it from Game of Thrones playing Lorenzo de Medici. So I, I recommend that series because you kind of see how the venture power politic is played in Renaissance Florence. Another good one, anything having to do with like Louis the, Louis the 14th and Versailles. France beyond the gorgeous costuming it's the idea of etiquette and how the nobility created protocol and etiquette as a way to concentrate the power of an absolute monarch always lots of fun i mean that that's a great one to show a an adventure who is an absolute monarch as a prince so like all the protocol and why they follow this protocol and and it, how it's it, and it's a way for the king to keep the nobility and aristocracy in line and kind of remind them, hey, yo, I'm the dude in charge and y'all are like emptying my chamber pot. I don't care if you're the comte de whatever foo-foo. 
you are uh, emptying my chamber pot because you're a comte and I'm the king. Any, any, anything having to do with that time period is usually really good. Definitely, it brings to mind the idea that not only is it how the king or, or you know, the focus of these stories act, but how he's treated or how they're mm-hmm. treated by those around them, depending on their their station or status, from from the count entering the chamber pot to you know the handmaid cleaning up after after the person. Yeah, it's definitely so. So you kind of get an idea of of what to expect if if you are the the absolute monarch. Or, or, or aristocrat, sorry, how you should expect to be treated. And if you're not, make a, you know, make a stink of it. Okay, so moving up. I, Jen, I love how you pay, pace this out through timelines. This is kind of cool. Next, you're, That's what com- I do. It is. It, we're coming up with the like the all of the 19th century, early 20th century. You know, uh, like we said, Downton Abbey before Pride and Prejudice. Titanic actually that's funny that you put Titanic down because that is yeah. a good sep- a show of separation. Yeah, it is. I mean, I hated to put it down, frankly. There's a part of my soul that just <laughs> cried really hard right, when I right. put down Titanic like but, really but gen, really. You, you but get it's to see apt. yeah, you get to see how the lower lower birth people are are treated. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so absolutely. Again, with the the etiquette, what's expected of you, even the character of Molly Brown yeah is perfect for the the nouveau riche yeah because you know she is wealthy she's on the upper decks but you know she was you know born like on on some in the back country of colorado or something like that you know she got rich because of a mine so she's not classy and educated but she's rich so you know that she still would put me part of that venture milieu you know um so yeah, I put Titanic on there because you know it. Yeah, like you said, it's, it's a pretty. Ba- it shows in very visceral detail that delineation. So during during this time period, this is definitely showing the classism and elitism of that of the upper crust, which is something that the Ventru would be drawn to. Yeah. So I also put on the list if you're up to it, and this is this probably isn't for the new player. But if you're a player who's played Venture for a while and you're looking for a little bit of a challenge or to up your game a little bit, or if you're a history wonk like myself, there are a ton of ancient Roman texts out there that speak to the concept of dignitas and virtue as the Romans understood it and as the Venture understand it. Seriously, Cicero could not shut up about dignitas and and, and virtue. Could not shut up about this stuff. And I know this because I've had to translate a lot of Cicero of late, and it really sucks. (laughs) But in a pinch, um, if you don't want to read up on Romans necessarily, I would also highly recommend turning to Japanese or Chinese culture, especially some of their films, the Kurosawa films deal a lot, I think, with this concept of, of dignitas and virtue, especially in some of his fam- uh, some of the movies dealing with like noble families or there's ruling families. A lot of, uh, of Hong Kong cinema has that. Uh, even in some modern like 
noir coming out of like you know china and japan like some you know when there's crime families involved there is this con- these concepts of dignitas because you know the the head of the family and saving face and the honor of the family so i would recommend anything having to deal with that because i think once you see that you really start to get the concept of what it is because i think for modern americans especially the zennial millennial crowd we have a hard time understanding what dignitas is. It's not a concept we use a lot. So I, I throw those in there because it, it, it kind of helps you wrap your head around what is essentially a very hard concept. And also when you're saying about the Chinese, Japanese influences, I know it's specifically Chinese, but Confucius is is up there with the idea of social status and and behavior. Yeah. So that's something else like maybe you want to play like we we even we had a in one of our games we had a Fintru from Hong Kong. Yeah, we did. And, and so he would be he would know that 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 would be his understanding of dignitas. Yeah. Right. Okay, next is again like we, you mentioned about the crime families, the Godfather. That's classic. That's classic. I think all of them. 1 1 2 3 read the book. Yeah, I mean, it is just really in depth. Uh, what I love about the that story is that you you're able to hang, you know, identify with and and hang the star on to was it Michael the the main character and kind of follow everything that happens around him. Yeah, but Vito Vito's story I think is the most inherently venture. The up and, you... the up and coming the. Well, I mean, the idea of the man who has that dignitas and commands the respect. Oh, right. Yeah. Because Michael, it's the fall of Michael, but the rise of Vito. And Vito is that venture ideal of a man who, you know, has this influence and this cunning and this ruthlessness, but at his core is this dignitas. It is this familia. And he's all about the familia and the dignitas. I mean, the opening scene of The Godfather is the most is the best example in all of cinema of the patron client relationship. Absolutely. Yo, you've come to me on my daughter's wedding day to ask a favor of me and you've shunned me up to this point. So why am I doing this? What's our relationship going to be? Okay, if I do this thing for you, you're going to have to provide me with this. Right. So, Godfather, if you're going to play adventure, just go watch this movie. Absolutely. And then next, we've got the political drama, political drama, like movie or TV show. We've we've mentioned West Wing. I've mentioned Scandal enough. That show uh, even billions from a business perspective, the business and legal side of it, uh, it it's fan- it's a fantastic drama. Definitely check it out. Billions is great to show you how the influence game works. Right. How do you play? How do you use influences effectively? Go watch Billions. They show how how you can fuck up a person's life royally just by influences. Right. So any any pretty much any political drama is has something in it that you will probably be able to pick from and and use and the last one i put on here just because it's fun is crazy rich asians oh my god i can't i can't believe that's all i mean you're right it's it's there but 
I well, mean, I mean, it shows you how people, who, how the super ridiculously stupid wealthy live. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It, it, and and you're right. It's like what, like what, what concept that would fall under billionaire playboy that would fall under, you know, uh, you know, self-made billionaire. I mean, you're right. You're right. It, it's a fun movie. It's a little, okay. It's a lot over the top, <laughs> but it does, it does show you the example of, of, of how, if you've got this kind of money, this is how you live. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, in many ways, it's not that different from like, you know, what's the the Robin Leach show of the 80s and you know, right lifestyles of the rich and famous where, you know, they're spending stupid amounts of money on stupid, crazy things like, you know, golden toilets. No. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But, um, you know, it. it the it's that idea of you have ridiculous amounts of wealth and you know how to spend it so you know you want to figure out how somebody who has more money than they know what to do with would spend it on well you know go watch you know crazy rich asians or right lifestyles of the rich and famous or whatever <laughs> you know what though uh, you know what i want to go ahead and uh point point to that lifestyles of the rich and famous if you can find it not only is it about you know wealthy people spending money that that we'll never see it's also a time capsule yeah like if you if you want to play a business magnate from the 80s or something definitely check that out because yeah. it is not it's real it's like yeah. it was it was reality tv of the day they're not making this shit up this is yeah. what they how they lived and what they spent money on so it, it's a really good and you know even like with robin leach the, some of the questions he would ask how they answered him mm-hmm. is is telling. So definitely, yeah. if you want to play like a, a period piece Ventrue, go go find that. That makes me sad. You said that was period piece. I'm like, wait, that's our childhood. No, no, a little part of me died when I said I was like, oh god, I'm old. <laughs> okay, all right. So those that's the pop culture section, and last but not least is our books to read. So as always, read your clan books. Clan books, clan books. Yeah, clan books, clan books. There's clan book first, clan book second. Go read your venture clan book. Read Labella Sanguinis, Lord of the Clans, all of those ones that we've already recommended for every other clan. In terms of city books, Chicago by Night, it's a fun book to see how a Ventru brood that's tied together through power and influence and bloodlines works, how sometimes it works for the good and how sometimes it doesn't work at all. That's also a very classic example of how how the Ventru can have an, an interventru conflict. It's also a good book for for any newbie to read because it shows you how cities are run. Yeah, it is the basic template for pretty much any city ever built in the world of darkness. Right. London by Night, uh, that is a Victorian vampire supplement, but it is London and London is as venturous city as you will ever find. There is wall-to-wall ventures everywhere. Everywhere <laughs> there is a venture and uh, nobody ventures better than the venture there. I mean, they are the 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 cream of the cream. They are the t- they are the best venture, the venture in London or so they will tell you. And also, I'm sure somebody because I've I've seen them online, somebody has indexed all of the White Wolf books. So just go and pick any prints out of any book or any supplement that, that is also been true 
And there's going to be a blurb in there about like where they came from, how they got there and how they, how they run their city. That's also really good research. Yeah. London has, London has had a couple of venture princes. Berlin has a venture prince. San Francisco has a venture prince. Chicago has a venture prince. Washington DC does not have a venture prince. That's okay. That's okay. Because pretty soon that's going to be legal. Don't don't listen to anything that they tell you. He is not really a venture prince, <laughs> but all those other cities have venture princes. So go look them up. You know, pretty much it. Most princes are venture, so you know they're all great examples to look. Also, venture are very big on their histories, so know your kindred history. Yeah, read up on any of the supplements, uh, clan books, myths legends there's lots of them sure jan peter zoon who he is himself a venture he openly does not buy into any of the myths and legends of vampire history mostly because he's been mind wiped by you know his elders but go read some of the noddest stuff there's for those of you who are new to this there's a book called the book of nod which the camera does not recognize we do not recognize this book of nod but oh hey it's got some interesting stuff in there and venture are just enough history wonks to be able to maybe know a few things about it they may not admit it but they might know a few things about it no you're you're the history of some of the more famous venture like mithras or alexander paris of, or harderstadt or you know I was going to say Marcus Vital. <laughs> not not, <laughs> not a really venture. a venture. Okay. But yeah, you know some of the more famous venture in their stories. You know, get to know who the fourth generation venture are, such as Mithras or Alexander or Araker of Ur, who I didn't know until I put this entire this outline together, but there he was. Yeah, I, w- I was going to interject that definitely especially in, in in the modern modern nights what, what would we call right now the the in the present nights Mithras and Hardestad are very important so so know them yes very important very important so yeah that that's how you've been true that is how you've been true ladies and gentlemen and kids and kindred all right well thank you for sticking with us on this one I know that this is a as Jen said, this is kind of a Ventru and the upcoming Tremere are going to be some of the deepest dives that we can do because of the history, because of everything that goes within it. I mean, it's not not to say that Nosferatu don't have history, but let's just say if you just want to be the skull, you know, skulker in the dark that knows that what's going on, that's not that hard to do. Honestly, Ventru and Tremere, who we saved for last because they are the most complex clan. These two clans are probably the hardest clans of all to uh, in all of the main Camarilla clans because there's just so much out there. Tremere in particular is really, really difficult. That, so that's why we saved them for last. In case you're like, well, wait a minute, why didn't you do Tremere? Well, they're coming, but Venture is probably the second the the second most lore heavy clan i would urge you to don't don't be shy about that don't be afraid of that just dive on in because like i said venture also has built in the structure that allows for them to be friendly for a new player so if you want to if you want to learn the ropes of how to do camaria and do camaria right go jump into clan venture absolutely listen to Jin. all right well 
Thank always you for good every- policy. Always good policy. Listen to Jen. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing this and putting it together. We're definitely going to uh, keep you up to date. I'm, I'm really, I apologize for not kind of playing the fees like I should have been doing. But hey, we're still learning how to do all this, even though this is, how many episodes is this? I've lost track. Me too. <laughs> but we just love doing it. And we, we thank you guys for listening. And we hope you really enjoy it. So until next time, my name's John. I'm Jen. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. And if you want to get a hold of us outside of our normal podcast hours, you can find us at Podcast by Night on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter at By Night Podcast, or you can email us with any questions, thoughts, uh, opinions, you know, anything you want to communicate to us. You can do that at podcastbynight at gmail.com. 